Okay. So please welcome our head coach, Pastor Terry. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Head coach. <laughs> I was, I was. <laughs> That, that was the first time that I ever been introduced as a head coach. Uh, but uh, we'll accept some portion of that title. Uh, like Kirk's father never uh, wanted to, uh, I guess he never got his dream, right? That was, that was one of the things his father dreamed to be a head coach, um, football coach. So, we're going to sit with this a little bit, think about what, what God has said to us. And I definitely want to echo what Kyung also has mentioned in regards to just uh, all, all of the brothers who have put this together, sacrificed. Um, you know, obviously, we may notice some more than others just because of the nature of the way that the service is being rendered, the guys at the table, Scott and Damon, doing the coffee, putting up with all of our stuff, um, and all the rest of you. Uh, Stuart, that was an, a wonderful job you and, and the team did, just even on that interview with, uh, with that, that amazing story from Africa. Um, this is a lot of, it was far more complex than you guys made it, which is a sign of genius or luck. And I'm not sure. Why. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I, I'm sure it was more on the genius side. Uh, we're, we're blessed to have it. Without that. <laughs> uh, he's the giver of all genius. And, uh, but, you know, we're going to, uh, yeah, the Lord, uh, how am I going to, how can I argue the Lord? The Lord was involved, obviously, in this entire process we've had together. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, have felt the presence of the Lord. Here, I think the group of men that are gathered and uh, probably have still most of us here uh, make up of many, I'd say over 50, 60 percent uh, are guys who've been in the church for a little while, 70 maybe. But I've definitely noticed a significant group of, well, newcomers, um, those of you who say have been in the church a year or less, two years or less. Some are, surprisingly, uh, this might have been your first real exposure to the church beyond a weekend experience, and uh, commend you for taking the risk to, really, that would be risky, and I, we know for sure that there's a couple of you who just decided to do that, and hopefully we've, I was talking to, I think it was uh, one of the brothers, I won't mention his name this morning, and he was talking about how he had been interacting with someone who really had stretched him personally, just stylistically, the, world, the way he approached things. And, and he says, you know, in the past, maybe I might have just tried to stay away from, from a person because we just weren't meshing. He says, but we were different. And he says, but we decided, you know, he goes, I just really had a different approach to it. And, I, and he goes, and it was good for me and ended up getting blessed and, and just being able to appreciate one another's differences. You know, we all process things differently. I do know that it is risky for guys to build relationships. There's no question. To be vulnerable is not simple. And so it costs something. Um, risk, uh, responsibility, integrity, sacrifice, kindness. Those are four words that I associated with our title based upon where we, what we've been listening to. Clearly, one of the overarching 
words given to us by the Lord was responsibility. And uh, I think how we handle that responsibility, that has to do with our integrity of heart. The Lord trusted David to shepherd Israel, his people, because of both the skillfulness of his hands and the integrity of his heart. And that, that idea of integrity, which leads us to make sacrifices, and the sacrifices that are necessary for God to move in our lives, for God to bless our relationships, and then the component to me, again, I'm just using the analogy of risk, responsibility, integrity, sacrifice, and kindness. I think for us to have a kindness, uh, I was talking to a brother last evening, and um, one of the things that I was struck with was the importance of kindness, particularly, and I know a good many, many of us are not married. You know, I'm, I'm more and more, every year we do this, I, I, I filter further and further into the older guys group, right? I used, I used to be the young pastor. Now I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the middle there. And, you know, married now for over, as we were talking about, it's 20, this is 23 years now. And, um, you know, I don't think I'm that old, but I, I, I am. I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Few among here can say it, but you can. Uh, okay. Okay. But, no, it's I'll take, I mean, there's truth to it. You know, there is truth to it. It is true. No, you're good. <laughs> and I'm not giving the stocks with you. No, okay. <laughs> it was true. Guys, you have to know, a man has to know his limitations, somebody once said. And we, that's kind of what I'm talking about here is that the years have been flying by. And the more you, the older we get, the, the more we learn about ourselves. And um, I was talking again last evening, and, and I know a lot of us aren't, aren't in, you know, we're not married. I mean, Kirk, obviously, is either deeply in love or deeply missing or both of the above. I um, mean, I think he clear. I mean, he could stop talking about his wife. And I thought that was really great. As, I mean, I, I, that personally, that alone blessed me. At the same time, I realized a lot of us aren't necessarily, you know, you're not, that's not where you're at. You know, some of us are and some of us aren't. And so it's hard to relate completely to that. But I do think the idea of kindness begins to show up. And uh, there is something about how the Lord breaks us with his kindness. And when we repent, we are, we are impressed with his kindness towards us, his love. Part of the brokenness that is associated with the contriteness of spirit that David talked about was connected to when he came before the Lord and brought his heart before God that instead of being told you're unworthy, um, you've sinned, you've blown it, this, this came up. In the, in the comeback discussion, the Lord said to him, you know, um, welcome home. And really, that, that's, you come back, you're my son, and uh, I love you. And that is the prodigal. That's where we've been sitting with in our church for a number of weeks now. Kindness of the Lord should break our anger and our resentment. And part of living sacrificially means responding kindly when it is not in our heart to do so. And being gracious and tender is a component of Christ-likeness. 
it is, and I understand that we have to be risky and there's a time to be strong and that the S could be strong. Sacrificial and strong go hand in hand. But the fact is, I don't know, just something about the idea of anchoring all this discussion about responsibility and sacrifice with also kindness in our heart and not to be a retaliator and to, we talked about it, live lightly and to uh, try to honor the Lord by responding with the unconditional love that is characteristic of God's treatment of us so that we are not simply for, forgiving, you know, when someone really genuinely has earned it, but that there is a choice on our part to sacrificially submit our feelings unto God and to love and to respond kindly when it is undeserved. And that is very difficult. It is very difficult to do what Jesus did. And it requires a, it requires a couple of things. One of them is a deep conviction that it's right. And then it requires the Holy Spirit to help us push through. And then thirdly, it requires a commitment that will be steadfast. And that's where I want to talk about uh, in the brief time that we have here this morning. I want to challenge all of us to sort of, uh, if we could think about squeezing the towel. And when we squeeze the towel that's been used, the, the water that's left in it after it's been soaked, we squeeze it out. What is the water that comes out? What, what can we collect? Uh, I think we sat through a movement of the Lord. Some of us were moved to tears, or at least modestly, we, were, we wept listening to some of the things we heard, some of the stories. I mean, my goodness, I've never heard so many stories. Uh, tales, spectacular tales. Uh, you know, I mean, amazing stuff. I, I was shocked. I, I, I've never met a person who, who had so many, I mean, well, you know, uh, death-defying uh, Beck Weathers on the airplane, uh, a guy in Africa who we get to listen to. It was just in the way he told them, you know, that beyond the gift of his storytelling ability, which he just has a, a way a knack with it. Um, there was the amazing <laughs> part of how does one person even have so many of these firsthand experiences? Because I, I, I continued to be mesmerized by what's he going to come up with next? And, <laughs> and it got to a point where I said, oh, wow, I'm going to hear a new story uh, of something, and he didn't disappoint all the way through to the very end, all the way to that Congressional Medal of Honor. Uh, I mean, it was like, how do you, how do you, how, how's that possible? And yet, all, and yet, you know, one of the things that we heard was when he pulled in that guy from Africa, that doctor, uh, it was the, I mean, it was real. You know, it wasn't, that wasn't an exaggeration. He didn't go tell him, you know, he'd say, is this, say, if this is all true, say yes. I mean, it was really, that guy said it, you know what I mean? He in fact, I was struck by the eloquence of that doctor and how he was able to uh, communicate the complexity of his journey. I thought that was really powerful. And uh, many of us were sitting around the table talking about why did that impact us so much? What was it about that man's story? You know, he started, in, in, and I thought Kirk did a masterful job at, and, at guiding the communication. He says, I want you to tell us where you are, describe it. And he says, I want you to go backwards in time 
tell us the beginning, and then lead us back to where we were. So he basically gave, he gave him a direction how to take us along a journey. And we listened to him. Some of us were talking at the table. You know, what was it that was so compelling? You know, I personally was very moved um, and felt deeply the presence of the Lord. I, I, I felt God's presence strongly. And uh, I was around me. I definitely heard you, James, behind me. You know, there was real, there was real legitimate interaction taking place. It's surprising because all we were doing was listening. But it was powerful. And so um, I'm just, you know, thinking about that. Why was that so powerful, Lord? What was, it, what was happening there? Some of you guys mentioned to me that it had to do with the... Uh, uh, surprised me because I wasn't thinking of it in this way. But some of you said, well, it was this idea of just pushing through the relentlessness in spite of the, fa- the failure uh, to have the breakthrough, um, and yet that, that willingness to just keep going and keep going and keep trying and to believe and not to give up and not to quit and you know, to hear somebody who had every reason to, to not do it and then to, to watch, watch what God was able to do because there was a commitment to a word that was given by some random hitchhiker, which is a reminder to me that when there are some words that God sends us that are so powerful and so deeply penetrating into our heart that they begin to define who we are. And I was thinking back in my own life how as a younger man, <laughs> a young man, uh, I, the Lord sent me a word. And that word deposited deeply into my heart. And it was on a way to, uh, it was in a camp when I was on my way up a hill to do morning devotions, reading the devotional when I got there. The Lord was speaking to my heart. I opened the devotional and I saw the passage that talked about Peter, ironically, and how Jesus has said to him after, you know, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. And after you're restored, I want you to strengthen the brethren. And it was like the, the, there was like an ink marker that was taken out, and it was like the Lord just pulled the air, pulled the air. It was like I was shot. And that word, that phrase, strengthen the brethren. And I felt as clear as it could be that if it, the Lord said to me, if you ever want to know what success will look like in your life, it will be if you are willing to submit to this word that I've given you. Strengthen the brethren. And that meant to be one who builds, builds spiritual strength in others as one. And I thought in the context of that as the years have gone by, that was to a broken man. That was a man who, who was going to know failure, but he, he was given a commission that when, you're, when you come through this, you don't just go on your own way. You need to strengthen your brothers. And I want to suggest that some of us, the Lord is calling us into that level of responsibility. See, we can listen to the tales, but my question is, how are we going to now take this and apply this to the everydayness that most of us live in? Because I'm not going, I'm not getting on a plane and, and flying, I mean, whatever Kirk wants me to do. It's going to take a little while for me to jump out there. And and if that's what God wants, I'll do it. My point is, (laughs) 
that I never want to tell the Lord what I won't do because that's when we get tested. I've learned that. <laughs> so, I might, might sound a little, I've seen it enough to where I just rather be on the safe side and always, <laughs> always say, it's your final decision, of course, Lord, but principally, I'm opposed to the idea. <laughs> but, you know, but God, God makes the call. And I think there's something to be said about that, that he always has the right to overrule us in anything. And then we need to acknowledge that on a regular basis. And uh, anyway, pull back. May not be flying off in different places, but we, most of us here, we're going to go back. Okay, and this is what I was partly getting at, is that we, we, if we were inspired, I was inspired. I, that's the word I would use. I was inspired. Um, some people talked about the failure component. I connected most deeply with the willingness of this brother to take the hard-earned victory of succeeding after all that failure and then in turn choosing to spend it not on himself. Because most of the success stories we celebrate are the guys who kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, and then they finally got it and look at all the blessing. And we go, nah, wow, you know, they got it. And yet this guy gets it and then chucks it all away. Really, did he? He throws it at the feet of the cross. And he says, not my will, but thy will be done. And he drinks his cup willingly. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm listening to a hero. And I, I, I was thinking about, I mean, the world probably would never see this. Who is this, who is this guy? You know, and I don't think, I've never heard about him. Never, there's no, he's, I don't know. We hear about, you know, celebrities. This guy is out there in the, in the corner working, uh, and to know what he had to pay to get what he got, and then to go back and give it back to Jesus, it's like, wow, Lord, you know, and here I am whining. You know, whining. While we're sitting in this place, and it's not, you know what? The easy play is to sort of say, what a, what a shame, you know, look at us. We're living all blessed and all the stuff we have. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's the issue. I think each one of us will be held accountable for what we've been entrusted with. But I did find myself feeling deeply uh, affected because I felt like, Lord, you know, I know you're not asking me to, to go across the world and to minister in some obscure place because, I mean, obviously... I was mentioning this as well. This guy had been prepared. He had been prepared. A clue to your calling always is the preparation. Paul was prepared. When he goes before Agrippa in, in Acts, what is it, Acts 26, and he says, you know what? I was given this assignment, Agrippa. And I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But, and he talked about his assignment, how I, I was called to preach to the Jews, but specifically, he says, I was called to tell the Gentiles about the forgiveness of sins. And he's saying, I have not, I have not pulled off of that and, how, and deliver them from the, the grip of the enemy, the evil one. And really, the Lord had prepared him for a number of years 
living in a Hellenistic culture, a, G a Greek culture, that he, even though he was a Jew, completely familiar with the, the, with the, it's like he had learned, it's like many of you are artists, and you know that there's really no, it's just like me, I, I, this is a, a book that I live in, but so much of this book I learned when I was a boy, and when I was a teenager in a very uh, small church, getting up and, and, and basically this is your life manual and just learning all these stories over and over again, getting up in testimony services, talking about the scriptures. It, basically, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is you get the basics down really well, and then you, you are able to begin to freelance, and, and, and you can begin to create something that is uniquely you. But very few artists never are, are just go completely from a novice place to, to a point of brilliance without ever really mastering the basics. And the basics are essential. And Paul had the basics planted in him because he was a Jew trained in the, in his, in the scriptures. And yet he had been exposed to a culture, a Gentile culture, a Greek culture, that allowed him to have for a number of years a formative experience that gave him a certain coinage that the other apostles wouldn't have had. In other words, his pedigree, his background, his training were clues to where God was going to take him. And so we look at him and go, wow, that's amazing that God would send him into this place. And at the same time, it wasn't because you look at the way that he was made and formed and you go, wow, that, that is right up God's alley. I mean, that's what God does. And so I guess what I'm saying is that doctor had been prepared to do this because think about it, he had been ministering in sub-poverty levels. His family had been intact. Uh, they were in a very challenging area of, of the country. And I have to say, he was being prepared in that place for his ministry. And I think a lot of us have been prepared as well for certain types of things. We just don't know it yet. That God has prepared us to do what he's asking us to do. It might be some of us, it's the uniqueness of our personality, the way we were formed in our childhood. It might be some of the experiences that we've acquired. Um, we, we have unique capacities that are meant to be submitted to the cross. And here's my point, bros, brothers, is that just as real as that doctor was, was submitting to Christ and serving the Lord by going to Africa Many of us are going back into the everydayness of our lives, and how do, we, how do we honor God in the midst of that everydayness? And how do we honor God starting on Monday morning? How do we honor God in the context of our families, in the context of our, our personal life? How do we honor the Lord? How do we take this inspiration? Otherwise, it's just this spectacular story that was great tales, and, and we got really affected. I got moved, and that's wonderful, and so now what? On my way home, I've already, I'm already on to other stuff. How do we, this is what I've been wrestling, how do, I, how do we sustain the work of the Lord in our heart? How do we do this? How do we protect that word? Because some of us were given a word, this is again, I'll go back to what, I, what the word was, you don't be a baby, you don't quit. You don't just, and don't just put in your time with me. So what, question, what does, here it is, for me, for you, to you, what does sacrifice look like for you under the Lord? 
in this period of your life? Really? What doth the Lord require of you? What is it? That question is imperative. It is absolutely imperative if any of what we've done is to mean anything with any lasting significance. You have to wrestle, I have to wrestle with what does that mean? I was inspired. Yes, that's great. Today's a new day. What does that mean practically? What is the Lord saying? Now, again, Kirk made the point how we, if, well, I can't remember exactly how he said it, something about if we, how we end 07 is going to affect how we begin 08, something like that. I, was, I wrote it down somewhere. Um, where is this? Yeah, you won't do any better in 08 than you finish in 07. He threw that out. Okay, got about, got a couple of months here where I got to really think this through. What's, what's that, month and a half, really? I mean, not too, what's that going to look like? What really? How do I get myself ready? And what was the Lord trying to say? Now, I tell you what I heard. I heard was, you quit whining, and you need to, you need to keep working hard, and don't, give, don't just go through the motions. And you need to take these responsibilities seriously. Honor the entrustment I've given you. And it may, not, it, it may not be big to many people, but it's what I've given you. And honor it. Honor it. Some of us, that word was honor our wives. It was. But they don't deserve it. Honor your wife. Honor your wife. That was a word. Some of us honor women. Honor them as a Christian man. Be different. I will tell you, many, many of the women in the church were praying for us this, this, for this gathering and praying that God would do something remarkable in this just to bless the men and cause them to rise up in their calling. And again, Kirk got out yesterday evening, the comeback issue, how failure is not, a, is not enough Right, I mean, to, that the enemy wants to just say, well, that's fine, but you know, you, you've been defeated so many times, why bother? I think we can all agree that that is, is really something that God wants us to get past. I'm not saying it's easy, but I guess one of the best ways to get better is, is to not keep dwelling on our defeat, but to begin to get passionate about something God's calling us to. And usually a, a larger passion is something that, a bigger vision will we'll, we'll break us out of stuff because we care about it. And so I'm, ask, I'm, I'm basically saying before the Lord, what is it the Lord is asking of you? So, I mean, Kirk talked about a number of things. Some of us, it had to do with, honestly, honoring God in our, in our finances, in our giving. He, he made that case pretty clear. Uh, in his mind, that is a, obviously is a huge value, and he believes deeply in the principle um, some of us, it has to do with our personal life management. And we have been less than stellar um, with our discipline and with our, with our pursuit of growth. And we've gotten sloppy and lazy. And the Lord is saying, you need to get back and get focused 
And don't say, wait until the harvest, Lord, but say the harvest now. It's not wait till summer, it's now. It's now. Now is the time. Today is the day. We've been given a tremendous word. And like Elijah, we are, you know, I was looking at the passage in, in Kings and where, where Elijah was... Actually, I tell you what, why don't you turn with me real quick. I'm not going to like go super duper long here because I know you guys have been sitting for a while. But just look with me at 2 Kings uh, verse... Oh, what, shall, what place do we start on it? Um, let's just say 2 Kings... Well, actually, 1 Kings. 1 Kings 19. There we go. 1 Kings 19. And, and Ahab, and I'm reading from the, the New King James, but Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and also how he had executed the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed now that he might die. There's that spirit of suicide that Kirk talked about. And I thought, you know, sometimes that spirit is, is physical. It, it has to do, it's, it's a spiritual issue that reflect, shows up in a kind of physical temptation like with Kurt when he was talking about the gun. But I've known, I've known guys that basically have committed spiritual suicide. And uh, some of whom I've, I've, I've loved as brothers. And I've watched the enemy deceive them to the point where they thought that they had no way out. And like Judas, basically, they go and they hang themselves. And they didn't hang themselves physically, but spiritually. They, uh, they murdered their life. And... Uh, that spirit comes on us. It's the spirit that we're never going to be any good for God. And there's no point to this whole thing anyway. And why do we even bother? And so I hope we understand that the Lord is not limited by our flaws, our weaknesses. He, he can even work through our stubborn sins if we'll wrestle with them and ask Him for, for grace. Over time, we will gain the victory. Over time, if we stay with it, we will begin to get incremental breakthrough and we will begin to find ourselves establishing healthier habits. That's the benefit of brothers and training partners is because we get accountable, we get honest, we can be strong. We fail. If we do fail, we fail quickly and get back up. We don't linger. We don't get into dark depression about it. And over time, I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've watched people who struggle for many years begin to get their legs and learn how to do it. It's very encouraging to see it. And once you get it, you, you say, yes, I'm, I'm, I've, gotten, I've gotten past this. I know my weakness. I know what I can't touch. I know what I need boundary-wise. But as long as I honor these principles, I will prevail in God. And you get to a point where you understand how it works, and you, you can do this, and it happens. So Elijah is here, he's, he's concerned. He says, he laid it in, slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, rise and eat. And he looked, and there by the head of a cake was cake baked on coals and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he lay down. And the angel of the Lord came back, and verse 7, and the second time and touched him and said, rise and eat because your journey is too great. Your journey is too great for you. I want you to see that, that phrase, your journey is too great for you. And so he arose and he ate and he drank. 
and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days. And do you understand what I'm saying? There is such a thing as a power of a word when God places it in our heart that we can go off of the strength of that word for an amazing amount of time. Now, that messenger that was sent to the, our doctor friend, that hitchhiker, gave him a word. That word stayed in his heart. He cultivated it, grew it. It, it, it continued to live. He's been living, it's living him ever since. Some words begin to define us. That's what happened to me when I was a teenager. A word began to define me and shape me. But it happens also at different seasons in our lives where we, we hear God so clearly beginning to challenge us on something. And he gives us a word and we live out of that word for a number of days. And it, it, it becomes a source of strength to us. We begin to sit into it and live into it. And we begin to embrace it and honor it. We don't forget it. We hold it. We write it down. We write the vision down. We pay attention to it. We pray into it. We share it with someone else. What happened with you this weekend? Well, let me tell you what God said to me. We all know, as anybody who's done any type of communication understands, that part of the value in being a teacher is that nobody learns better than a teacher. When you teach the principle, when you communicate, verbally communicate what it is that has happened, it implants it deeply, more deeply into you. One of the primary benefits of talking about what God is doing in our lives is that it increases the power of that word that we're communicating. It's true in sales. I mean, they always tell you that. You've got to keep talking about it, talking about it, talking about it until it becomes second nature. They talk about that all the time. But, but it's in the kingdom, it, when the Lord gives us something, how we talk about it, it increases it. That's why you, we have to find ways to... I'm saying this. Do you want that word to live? Because if we want the word to live, we've got to talk about that word. Get it on the table. Hey, this is what I want you guys to pray about in relation to me. Check back in with me on this. Check back. Lord, I'm going to write this down, but I'm, when I get home, I'm going to, I'm going to when, when I, the question will be asked, how, so how was that? How was that? You know what? It was powerful. Let me tell you about something that God spoke to me. I, now, depending on that relationship, I can tell it in generality or in specific. But I'm going to suggest that to be able to share what God is doing for us will increase the likelihood of us being able to live out of that word. And, I'm, and, I'm, and the, word that I'm, the word that you may have been given was, pay attention to this. Pay attention to this, because there's a clue to breakthrough in your, in your spiritual life, or there's a clue to what I want to do in your life, is connected to this word that I'm asking of you. What is it that the Lord is asking of us to sacrifice? That was the other thing I kept hearing. What, what am I being asked to sacrifice? Again, 1 Samuel, what was it, 24, where David goes, and that it was referred to by the, I believe it was, it was the um, surgeon who talked about David and how he said that I will, I, will, I, will, I will offer the Lord no burnt offering that did not cost me something. Yes, 2 Samuel, the last chapter of 2 Samuel. I believe it's 24, is that correct? Yes. And he said, I will, I will, I will, I was a field of Aruna, wasn't it? I will, I will not offer. And so I was saying, Lord, you know what? That's what I was hearing. I was hearing, hearing somebody, because why? Because it's always in us to want to, to give him the offering that doesn't cast us anything. 
because so much in us wants the easy path or the path of least resistance. Or how can I find an out on this one? And I thought, wow, what an amazing thing it was because Dave, David, and I'll just, okay, let's just go there real quick since we're, we're here. Go to, it's just a chapter over, I mean a book over, 1 Samuel 24, I mean 2 Samuel 24. The, it says, and Gad came that day to David and said to him, this is verse 18, go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, and David, verse 19, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming forward and Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to, my, to, to this, his servant? And David said, I've come because I want to buy a floor, uh, the, your fl- threshing floor, your piece of land that I want to offer. I was told that the Lord wanted me to do this and so, because I'm supposed to build an altar to him. And I basically, I, need, I want to purchase this land to have church. And... The Lord said, if I do this, the plague will be withdrawn from the people. And so Aruna said to David, let my Lord, the king, take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for burnt sacrifice, threshing implements, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, may the Lord God, your God accept you. Now, it's almost like he was saying, you know what? Like This happens a lot of times to dignitaries. Or people who are admired, I'm just so happy you're here. I, I want to honor you. Just it's a freebie. It's on a, on the house. And he he basically said, I don't want it. I don't want the freebie. In fact, I can't. If I take it, it, it and you just give it to me, then when I give it to God, it didn't mean it didn't mean what it was meant to mean. I need to buy this. I need to I need to own this thing. It needs to cost me. It needs to cost me personally. Thank you for the offer, but I will buy it. I appreciate it. I do. It, by the way, this wasn't even so much an issue of integrity. as because it, it was not a sin to accept the gift. It was not a sin to say, you know what, thank you. In fact, in most cases, you might even say that it would have been more appropriate for him to accept the offer because then the blessing went to Aruna. But in this case, he basically said, I can't do it here. This one has to cost me. This one has to cost me. I got to do it. Me. Me. And I do it. And I'm going to honor. And it says here that he says that he came. And what is it? It says that he says, then the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price I'm going to buy it, and I will offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. I won't do it. That's when he offers it up to the Lord. What is the Lord requiring of us? What is the sacrifice we are being asked to bring, to give, to be? Kirk talked about some of us need to step up as fathers and older brothers. That is sacrificial at times. It's going to cost something. It's also tough when you're not appreciated for your effort. You're putting yourself out. There are brothers here who are putting themselves out, making themselves available, and because they're not the leader, it's, it's disregarded as being less than. But who can say how God has chosen deliverance? 
See, if the Lord says the deliverance is coming through this, this brother over here who doesn't have the gift mix that looks like much, but that's where the Lord has appointed deliverance, then woe be to us if we disregard the vehicle because it's not about the person, it's about the one God has selected to be the vehicle of life. And I'm going to suggest that there are times where the Lord will test our heart and I know there, my life has been impacted by people who were, I admired greatly and leaders who I admired for different qualities. And I understand that. And that's the truth. The vast majority of the times that has been the case in my life spiritually. That I've lived off of other men's words. And they have inspired me to want to be a better servant of the Lord. And I hear the call. I recognize it. I hear God's voice in it. And my heart resonates. And I say, I'm in. I'm in. And some of the most powerful times in my own life with the Lord have been when I've been listening to someone else speak. And I hear the Lord's voice in their words. And the Lord says, will you hear me? What, will you listen to what I'm asking of you? Can you wrestle with this? Will you surrender? And in that place, this, it's amazing dynamic. You're listening to someone, and then while you're listening, God's working in your own heart. And you're going back and forth on it. And, and there are times where this, that willingness to surrender to the Lord is so powerful and so profound that we begin to fight right there with, with what God is asking of us. And those are powerful moments of brokenness. I will do it. If you give me the power, Lord, if you give me the courage to follow through, I will do it. It's powerful. But there are other times where the Lord will speak in modest ways through people who we would have not necessarily said, well, you know, it might be, a, it might be a, a vehicle that was not what we anticipated, but the Lord's word for us is humble your heart. Humble your heart. Hear my voice. And don't disregard the small thing. There is no Peter without the Andrew. Peter at Pentecost bringing in the thousands is never even in the kingdom, as far as we can tell, without his brother, the bringer. It's a testimony. Don't ever, the body is never to despise the other part and say, well, you're not that big of a deal. It's not how it is in the kingdom. We're meant to work together, to honor the Lord together, to be faithful in our spheres of entrustment. So I'm asking you, what is the Lord asking of you? And someone said to me, well, I don't know. It's a big thing. You know, I, don't, I, I, I know probably for me it, it, it's, it's connected here for a while. But some of us, I said, I said to one young man, I said, look, and you hear me say this a lot. I'm not asking you, to, maybe you're not supposed to figure this thing out for the, for the big, big picture. But what about this season of your life? What is the Lord asking you here and now in this season? Because a lot of times we'll postpone really digging into something because you say, well, you know, I'm in transition or I don't know if I'm going to be here, you know, two or three years from now. And I'm going to say, you know what? You're here now. We're here in this church. We're in this meeting. We're in this gathering. Was this, was this happenstance? No, this is, God is involved in it in some way. We didn't just come here in this gathering with this group in this church with that man who spoke with us. With just saying, no, it's just sort of like that just happened. No, it was part of God's plan. This is a, there's a reason why. And so what is that reason? What does that mean? What are we supposed to do to quicken ourselves? Yeah, you say, well, you're trying to motivate. I am trying to motivate us. Because I think it's easy to get motivated about a very, get very teary-eyed about a romantic 
uh, big idea, but when we get down to it, it's what's lived out now every day. That's where men win the victory, and that's when, when the defeat is, is actually planted. It's right there in the everydayness, everydayness of our lives. And we're going to have to figure out ways to keep strong in the Lord. And now, Eli, I'm saying, Elijah went off his word for 40 days. He got nourished. He was strong from that word, and he was able to prevail for a number of times. But it got to the point, you read the story, it, the Lord says, when you get back, and there's this exchange with a still, small voice, and some of us remember that, the Lord speaks to him, and he says, I want you to go back. I want you to get an assistant. I want you to engage relationally. That part of my deliverance for you is going to involve another brother. He's going to be your apprentice. His name is Elijah. Ja. And you will find him. And when you, when you meet him, speak the word, and he'll follow. He'll come. And he's going to be my gift to you. Brothers are gifts, and periodically are given gifts, and a brother is meant for adversity. And so I get when Kyung says, you know, yes, part of the, the idea around the project that, they, that their, their team came up with this uh, workshop idea, this, this small group thing, part of it was the projects, yes, but the, the larger issue was brothers connecting talking, interacting, hoping to have some feeling of, of, of brotherhood around something, openness. We need that. We need friends. We need brothers. We need fellow laborers. So I, I guess that, that some of us are meant, I guess, some of us are supposed to be older brothers who are going to be pace setters, and we need to take that responsibility. Just hear me out. We need to take that responsibility Seriously. Seriously. And if they don't receive you, you're doing it for the Lord. And there will be some. There will be some. The Bible talks about young men in your strength. Don't waste your youth on trivial pursuits. Be very thoughtful about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Who you are becoming in the process, you will not always have that energy, that power, that ability to roll out of bed and just kick it back in. It, 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 the older we get, the more work it takes to get that energy, the more rest we need, recovery time. I was talking to one brother, I won't mention his name. <laughs> he walked in and he was a hobbling mess. And he goes, they did it. They talked me into it, right? He, was, he, was, he, he had talked about how he got talked into, I guess, playing the some game. Uh, and he, he was upset that he allowed himself to get talked into. He says, I knew it was going to happen. He's limping around, right? And, and he, he, he goes, because I said, yeah, because you know what? When we're 20, we can just do something. And it's like, yeah, I haven't done it. I haven't prepared. I haven't played this sport in a year. No big deal. I'll go do it. And the next day, roll out of bed, and nothing's wrong. But if you haven't, if you haven't played a sport... And you just decide after two years of never not doing it, you're going to go all out. And then expect like it's just the body's going to, it doesn't work that way anymore. I said, you don't understand. I go, I'm, I'm finally starting to smarten up a little bit here. And I understand that if I'm actually going to do that now, I actually have to spend a little more time preparing myself for my body's got to remember what that, what that looks like, that routine, that, that athletic expression. 
And it's because a lot of times we're just not prepared for what we're going to get ourselves into. And I'm going I'm to say that as we get older, some of us who are younger, you guys have the energy. Um, please don't let the enemy diminish your ability to use this period of your life for the Lord by squandering it with, with sort of a frivolous approach to honoring the kingdom's call over you. Um, don't look back and say, I wish I would have taken the Lord a little more seriously in my 20s and my 30s. And you, you need to you take it serious. Um, what needs to be done? We need your shoulders. We need, the kingdom needs your passion. It needs to have young men who will dream dreams, right? There's this, there's this idea of, of being willing to, to step up and to be honorable men to show, yeah, even the women in our community that being a Christian man is different. And it means that I will honor the principles of the Lord and I will not simply drop back into the ways of the world and leave, leave someone uh, messed up by the time I'm done with them. It means being honorable. It means, it means stepping up to the plate in an era that says don't step up to the plate unless it's convenient or something that really you feel like you want to do. I'm saying some, what happens if it's your assignment? How do we do it? I will tell you that part of living life well is learning how to faithfully honor our assignments even when maybe we don't want to do it. Remember he was talking about his son in the garbage? I understand that one. I do. And I understand how it works. But he said, he got to point, he said something had changed when his son did it, one, without being told, and two, the way he did it. And there was something about that. And some of us, that's what it's going to look like. How do we go about serving? How do we go about being problem solvers in the body? How do we go about helping one another? These are the, these are the issues. So I'm really, I'm really going to just challenge us here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and then what we're going to do after I pray is we're going to have um, a moment of communion, a small one. But I'm going to ask the Lord to empower us to keep our commitments. So you guys can get that, the communion just stuff ready. But I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll end with that, okay? But Lord, um, as we are here before you, and there's been a number of things that we've experienced this uh, this retreat, and and it in many ways it has been a pulling back to recenter ourselves. And I pray for the young men that they would step up, Lord, to the plate, and and really embrace and explore the calling that you've put in their heart, and that they would pursue it with passion. We need we need men to be passionate about your kingdom. We need men to be as passionate about your kingdom as they are about any other thing in this world. And there's something about a man that when he'll step up and say, I'll lead, I'll take it, I'll step up to the plate, I'll do it. It inspires people, it inspires, it inspires a lot of the, the others, Lord, need, we need to see male leadership, not because we're some chauvinistic group, but because that is an important issue to you. You said it. And the men need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I pray that you begin to put a burden of the Lord 
in the hearts of some of the men to step up and be responsible. For those of us who are married, and there's a lot of young families, Lord, that are just starting up, just sprouting up. Some are getting ready to get married. Some have just had their little children, Lord, and and there's so many stresses that are attached to young families, Lord, so many forces designed to rip it apart and to just kill it at the gut. And I pray that you would protect that, Lord, and that, that we would take responsibility as men to fight for our families and to make sure that we are working hard to be friends with our wives and fighting, not just writing things off as well. I'll never change that, Lord. With you, all things are possible. And there is nothing that you cannot do if we welcome you in, Lord. Well, let's just say this, Lord. That's what you told us. You said we need to keep that way of seeing always on us, that we need to always be looking for the, the, the God who can do amazing things in our midst. And we, and I, I am concerned, Lord, because we live in a culture that chews up commitments. And I see people battered and, and killed all over the field. And our issue is not so much to, to judge the wounded, but while we're trying to help the wounded and heal the wounded, which is one of our real callings as a people in a church, to bring the prodigals home and get them better. But also, Lord, and the hurting and the broken and the defeated, to remind them that God's not given up on you. It is to be a house of grace, no question about it. But at the same time, Lord, we want to try to do as much as possible to keep those who haven't experienced that level of, of just devastation in a place of wholeness. And our, one of our desires, Lord, is to keep families together and to keep people loving each other. And that's going to largely be determined by what a man chooses to be in his own house. And it's not always easy. And sometimes sacrifice for us has to do with being treated less than we feel we should be being treated. And yet, as unto the Lord, we take the example that you gave us. And we love unconditionally in the name of the Lord. And we love past our own hurt. And we say, in the name of Jesus, I bless you, as if it were. It may not always come out exactly like that, but that's the motive behind it. And we come with the kindness of the Lord. And we take the hurt and we return it as blessing. And what that does, Lord, a lot of times to break through, to, to frustrate the plans of the evil one, that, that really what you're waiting for is for us to take ownership of our own heart and our own responsibility and to not simply conduct ourselves as returning evil for evil or hurt for hurt. But we are to be blessers. We are to be models, Lord. And when we fail, we are to honor, we are to acknowledge it. Whether or not the other one does, we acknowledge it because we own it before you. And I, and I pray for those of us who are further along, Lord, in life, that as we have wrestled with this word, that we would not be weary in doing well. That we would not say, well, on my day, I have done my duty. But that we would be inspired, Lord, to follow you all the days of our life. And the part of sacrifice will be not to simply retire and move to the sidelines, but to take the responsibility of bearing weight and to do it not with a grudging heart, but with a joyful heart, Lord, to say, as unto you, Lord, I take up my cross daily. I'll do it for you, Lord, for the glory of your name. You haven't called us to, to go into some corner of the world. You've called us to serve you here right now in this time, in this place. You've called us to serve our families, many of us. You've called us to serve faithfully in this church, 
to not only to help it be a healthy and a, and a life-giving church, Lord, but you've called a lot of us here to be pillars. And we have not taken that responsibility as seriously as we should. The truth is, Lord, some of us have, have been negligent. It's not been an intentional thing necessarily. In some cases it has, Lord. But we, we, have, we have been given a calling to be a, just like that pillar that sits in our sanctuary that holds up those pillars that hold up the balcony, Lord. There are men who have been called to stand and to uphold this body by virtue of the quality of their life and the passion that they have for God. And I, I want to pray for my brothers, Lord. I want to pray that all of us would be inspired to accept the assignment of the Lord and to not be weary in well-doing. And if some of us have overcomplicated our lives and we need to shear it down, give us courage to do it and wisdom and collective counsel. But Lord, let us find solutions. I, I pray we would not be at peace. If you have troubled our heart about issues, do not let us be at peace until we have found a way to address them. Do not let us off the hook, Lord. I pray for it. And part of me is just having to say that by faith, God, by faith. And I, I pray that, that we, would, we would really rely on our brothers, one another in our groups, Lord, to, to keep contending. Maybe this year, Lord, you have other plans for this ministry that's going to call us together in different ways than we had anticipated because maybe there's some momentum you want to build into us as a men's community. That's very. I pray that you would guide Keung and the men's team, Lord. Our brother who you gave a calling and an anointing to for this hour. I pray that you would, you would fill the men's leadership team with understanding of how to continue to let this ministry evolve and that some of us who need to step up. Now, Lord, some of us, and I, just, I know it's a long prayer, Lord, but I'm, I feel that some of us need to consider our ministry involvement, what it is we're modeling before our children, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm part of a church. It's another thing to model bearing weight. And I, I know, Lord, that it's not always easy because life's so complex, but I pray that some of us would respond to needs and do it as unto you um, with great with courage and sacrificial spirit. And so, Lord, as we approach your table here, I want to ask you to, to work in our heart and move in the spirit. And if there are sins that that are, are besetting us, that in the Spirit, by virtue of the victory of the blood of Christ, to chase away the darkness, that you would cleanse us and renew us, that the, the simple obedience to taking the bread and drinking the cup would remind us that it's not about us, at the end of the day, it's about you. And that our wholeness and our strength is dependent upon your brokenness for us. And so we just, we just, Lord, as we're as 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 Marty is playing and as the music is is going on and as the cup and the bread is being passed out, we're, help us just to be thinking about what it is you're speaking to us on. What are the priorities we'd be focusing ourselves on? What are we supposed to go back and square up to and deal with? What is the attitude adjustment that needs to be made and sustained and sustained? And how are we supposed to sustain that? So I just really pray for this, Lord, in your name, in Jesus' name. We just right now wait before you. We just wait before you, Lord. Holy Spirit.